Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Deja vu all over again. I have to tell you, it is starting to look a lot like Anita Hill to me. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, it's the 20th of September. And uh, we are heading into a uh, an ugly, I think a very ugly chapter in our political life uh, and proof that very little has uh, been learned. One thing that's clearly been learned by uh, the Republicans on Capitol Hill is to uh, change their uh, verbiage a little bit. Not much, a little bit. To not disparage the female accuser. But they still haven't learned not to be condescending and they still haven't learned not to be dismissive and they still haven't learned that whatever it is that happened to her does not rise to the level of importance that should in any way disrupt their schedule. It's, it's really quite something <laughs> to watch. Again, all of these old white men of privilege and power tending to their business and annoyed, mightily annoyed with this uppity woman who's come out of nowhere. And now, because of the Me Too movement, has to be afforded a, a measure of respect, or what appears to be. There is no real deadline. There is no real reason that Monday is the day when they had to have a hearing. These uh, Republicans these old male Republicans, set up Monday as D-Day uh, for Dr. Blasey to tell her story and for Judge Kavanaugh to refute. And they set that date without in any way conferring with her. This is a woman who is, by all accounts, shy, a research scientist. She's a numbers cruncher kind of person. <clears throat> she does research. She doesn't have patience as a psychologist, psychological researcher. So she's been described by some friends as a little bit nerdy, a little bit, you know, very wants the facts, very perfectionist about that kind of thing because the numbers matter in her work. She's not used to being this in the spotlight. She didn't choose it. Her life, as she knew it would be, has been totally upended. And not in a good way. This shy person now is the butt of repulsive comments on social media. She is the recipient of repulsive comments and death threats. She and her husband have had to leave their home 
and they're in hiding somewhere. I believe Judge Kavanaugh is sleeping in his own bed and I'm sure he was talked to about would you be willing to appear on Monday. She was not. And when she says, I'm not ready, I think if you guys are going to talk to me, <coughs> question me, um, then you need some facts in front of you. And there, I have said there was a witness to this. There are other people that say they remember kids talking about this. There are people that should be interviewed. There are p other people you should talk to if you are serious about gathering facts so that this is not quite a he said, she said, although the old white men in charge want it to be reduced to that so that they, of course, can dismiss what she says. And many of them already have. <coughs> Uh, Orrin Hatch is loathsome a creature as has ever uh, served in the Congress. Said this about Dr. Blasey, I think she's mistaken something. What does he base that on? I think... Senator Hatch says, before even hearing her, she's mixed up. You know, women, hysterical, easily confused. I think she's mixed up. Lindsey Graham. If she does not come on Monday, we're going to move on. These are powerful white men behaving as they always have and uh, I guess always will. <clears throat> Their needs are to be met. Their desires are to be met. Some woman throwing this last minute wrench into the works will be greeted with some mumbo-jumbo, mumbo-jumbo, yes, of course, whole spectrum. she can come and talk, and but if she isn't here on Monday, that's it, we're moving on. And obviously she's mistaken anyway. <coughs> it's uh, clear that the strategy that's been uh, set by the Republicans here is to suggest that after such a long time she's mixed up the guy who couldn't have been Kavanaugh. Just couldn't have been. I wonder why she thought it was Kavanaugh. <laughs> so they're going to say it's a case of mistaken identity. Hatch first rolled it out, but they like it. And uh, they will say, yes, we believe her. We do believe that she was assaulted. This is a terrible, terrible thing. We just don't believe she knows who assaulted her. That is what they're going to go with. And if you were to ask them, well, how the hell do you <laughs> arrive at that? And they will say, because Judge Kavanaugh has denied it. And that is all we need. So she must be mistaken. How do you have, you have this uh, incendiary uh, accusation about this nominee. No, a nominee not just to anything, a nominee who will be one of nine people in this huge country who will, until the day he dies, be able to sit in judgment 
on the women who come before him, on issues of importance to women and others. This is the best guy, huh? Just like Clarence Thomas was, he was the best guy, right? So we will have two men on the court, both, if you ask most women, credibly accused of sexual harassment and assault, and two of the nine judges, justices on our Supreme Court. Judge Kavanaugh, by the way, as a judge, people trying to say he was 17. Come on. Come on, boys. Boys will be boys. I think people, even when they're drunk and young and stupid, are still at a base informed by their character. I've seen a lot of drunk young guys. They aren't all potential rapists. That becomes an excuse. Oh, I was drunk. And so, saying that somehow, if you're 17, you get a pass. But if you're 18, you don't. Something magical apparently happens in that, whatever, it could be a day. <laughs> It could be a month, it could be a, a year, and all of a sudden, the boy at 17, who is, should not be held responsible, uh, is a man at 18 who should be held responsible. Hooey, hooey, hooey. Judge Kavanaugh thinks 17-year-olds should suffer the consequences of their bad actions because as a judge last year, he denied a 17-year-old child, immigrant child, who had become pregnant, denied her the right to have an abortion, forcing her to live with the consequences of her behavior. Powerful white men do not believe in uh, suffering consequences. And they often don't. They live their lives from cradle to grave, often not having to suffer consequences of their behavior. The evidence is, is everywhere. Did you see the, um, I think it's a Facebook post, that a woman who went to the same fancy school that uh, Dr. Blasey went to and knew the boys at the, the boys' school that Kavanaugh went to. And she wrote a piece talking about the environment there. And we've heard um, others, actually this <coughs> Mark... <coughs> this um, is it Mark Judge, who was the other boy, according to uh, Blasey. Mark Judge actually wrote a book, and I'm sure you've heard of this, about his days at uh, this fancy schmancy school for the uh, elite. Uh, and the title of it was Wasted. Because apparently these boys <coughs> who would grow up to be the leaders of, the, of our country, <coughs> because that was their destiny by right of birth and status, um, they were drunk, apparently, by their own admission almost the entire time. This woman writes this. Her name is Christina King. 
the current situation involving Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh touches a very personal nerve and has unearthed memories, good and bad, that I had buried deep from my time at Holton. That's the women's school. I graduated from Holton and knew both Brett Kavanaugh, not well, and Mark Judge. I remember having a bit of a crush on Mark. He was intelligent and sardonic, a biting wit when he wasn't drunk, which was often, as were lots of teenage boys, from prep. That's the boys' school. I asked him to go to my junior or senior prom with me. I can't remember which. I just remember how horrible I felt when he stood me up because he got bombed a few hours before the dinner. He showed me no respect, and he had no remorse. Some things have not changed. Christine Blasey was a year or so behind me. I remember her. I remember this incident happened. Many of us heard about it in school, and Christine's recollection should be more than enough for us to truly, deeply know that the accusation is true. We are all in some way from that time, at least me, Christine, and I applaud her courage. I don't understand the courage and dignity. The drinking ensconced in the puritanism and hypocrisy of that elite privileged, mostly white, Catholic Washington society was completely out of control. I recall having a few parties at my house and having to call the cops once on my own party. We were teenagers, and we did really stupid, abusive, dangerous things. Nobody here has the moral authority over anyone else, no matter what elite school, no matter what brilliant career, no matter what beautiful family he or she may now have. Well, she goes on. Now, people have said, wait a minute, I thought that Blasey said that she didn't tell anybody at the time. So how does this woman, Christine King, say, I remember that the incident happened. We talked about it at school. Oh, that's interesting. And that suggests that others at the party knew what had happened. And in fact, it could also mean that uh, Kavanaugh um, and Judge laughed about it, bragged about it, who knows what. Another friend of hers from that time has a memory <coughs> of her being very outgoing. <coughs> and then somehow not not knowing why all of a sudden she wasn't going to parties like she did I think this woman is extremely credible for many reasons she didn't want to come out she didn't want to tell the story if she was simply some spoiler with a vendetta uh, or a Democratic operative trying this last-minute attempt to take down this nominee, then she would have had to concocted all of this eight years ago, six years ago, 
figuring that Kavanaugh would be nominated to the Supreme Court. And so then setting up that she would go to a therapist and talk and have this corroboration about his attempted rape of her. How much sense does that make? Another friend, a male friend, says that he was aware that she got very nervous um, in certain situations. She also apparently likes there to be two doors in every room that she's in. That's somebody who has PTSD. That's somebody who's wondering, is there a way out of here? And the fact that these old men on the Judiciary Committee are going gangbusters straight ahead, Monday, without any third parties, FBI, investigator, whatever, having gone and interviewed, checked up on all these things, people who posted things, the kids who were there, try to ferret out when this party was, where it, that can be done. What's the rush? This man will sit on this court for the rest of his life. What's the rush? There was no such breathless rush when Antonin Scalia's seat was vacant. That seat sat there with nobody in it for over a year. Republicans didn't seem to have a problem with that. Anita Hill wrote a piece for the New York Times yesterday in which she said she cannot believe that since her nightmare that there has been no effort on the part of this same committee to have in place rules for how one deals with such an event. And if they were dealing with it, as actually the president did when Anita Hill made her accusations, there was a new investigation ordered by President H.W. Bush. And now we have the White House saying, well, that doesn't happen, that can't happen, the FBI doesn't do that, it's bullshit. They're lying, they lie, they lie, they lie. It's incredible. We have a caller. Whether or not we have the ability to take a caller who can be heard is another thing. So here we go again, guys. And uh, I have little faith, but let's try it. Hello, caller. Can you Chuck writes, if the spin is going to be that Ford is confused and isn't remembering the incident accurately, then doesn't the same argument hold for Kavanaugh? Maybe he's confused too. Perhaps there were many women he treated in this fashion and he just can't remember one from another. The other thing to remember about this hearing on Monday, should it happen, is that a congressional hearing is not a court of law. Good point. Anything is admissible. 
even the lie detector test that Ford took is admissible. Unfortunately, because this is not a court of law, none of these senators will be held to a standard of behavior normally required in a court of law. No, this will be a circus. My heart goes out to this woman. You know, Kavanaugh is used to sitting at this table and taking praise and incoming from these senators. He's one of a piece of this crowd. He's a white male of privilege and power. He knows this game. He's lived it all his life. This woman who works in a laboratory. will be at such a disadvantage. She'll be terrified. And the fact that the senators don't have to treat her as they would if it were a court of law. They can do innuendo. They can be condescending. They can suggest things that are nonsense and hearsay that would be overruled, sustained, this, none of that's going to happen. And you say, what's the rush? The rush is they're trying to push through decisions on the court before they lose the house. That's the rush. Well, they're actually more, even more fearful than uh, about losing the Senate, which probably is not going to happen, but could. And if they lose the Senate, they aren't going to be able to put people like Brett Kavanaugh through anymore. And if you have noticed Susan Collins, she is repulsive. She sounds like one of the white men when she talks about Dr. Blasey. She, she had plenty of time to come forward. I shouldn't make fun of anyone's voice since mine is crap too, but um, she had plenty of time, and if she doesn't come forward on Monday, I think we just move ahead with a vote. Judge Kavanaugh has assured us that he did not do this. Isn't that great? Don't you wish, like, if you ever got caught up in a, some terrible thing, that you could just say, I didn't do it, and everybody would say, oh, well then, that's good. Everybody go home. Anita Hill said that the Senate Judiciary Committee still lacks a protocol for vetting sexual harassment and assault claims that surfaced during a confirmation hearing suggests that the committee has learned little from the Thomas hearing, much less from the more recent Me Too movement. This committee is to serve as fact finders not destroy the lives of witnesses who are called to testify. Oh. Let's turn to some book review if you don't mind. There's a, a, a new history book of the United States. It, it's almost a thousand pages long. I know I ain't going to read it, although I've been told that it reads really well, that it is a pa page-turner, not some dry, dry accounting with, you know, dates and all this kind of stuff. But it's called These Truths. And obviously that comes from these truths. That's from the uh, Declaration of Independence, right? Yeah. And in it, it becomes quite clear that the Civil War is, was and remains the defining 
moment in our country's history. And the Civil War pointed out that there were really two countries. There were two countries. And there were two countries at the founding of the Republic. There was the slave-owning South, and there was the more democratic North. And that the Civil War was a fight for supremacy, which economic order was going to win, that based on slaves. It's a great system. You know, labor, you have no next to no costs. You just buy these people and you do whatever you want with them and blah, 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 blah. That's a great system. If you don't have to be, if you're not a slave. Anyway, uh, the southern states were clearly hostile as hell to the idea of democracy. And it's odd because you had slave owners like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington as founding fathers of this democratic republic. And yet, clearly, in their own lives, which they managed to somehow segment and divorce. And I guess one of the ways they were able to do it is deciding that black people were not really human. Clearly hostile to democracy, clearly hostile to any sense of civil and civic equality, clearly hostile because it was a system built on the truth of white supremacy. You know, when uh, they seceded, one of the first things that uh, the state of Georgia did, right out of the, it passed a law that made dissent punishable by death. Georgia. That would be the same Georgia that signed on to the uh, Constitution of the United States of America uh, with its uh, First Amendment, which clearly said dissent is not a crime, <laughs> and it sure as hell isn't punishable by death. But what what we just don't seem to ever come to terms with is that those two countries, that North and that South, were not capable of being united because they... Stop and think of it. Abraham Lincoln was murdered by a white supremacist. Reconstruction, that didn't last long. It was abandoned and Jim Crow arose. And according to this history, Jim Crow must count as the most bitter, resentful, and wicked response to defeat by the losing side in any civil war. The losers, there's no contrition, there's no apology for the bloodbath, there's no realization that after they lost that they must then adopt the values of the winning side, the United States of America, they never did it, and that the United States of America allowed them to openly flout, and still do, Jim Crow's toll on the human spirit (laughs) 
its toll on the black body was matched only by its evil. And I just want to ask you, have we changed much? Oh, there are these little reckonings that happened. The Voting Rights Act. <laughs> the Civil Rights. And you tell me if the South is any different, really. And because people can move around, the people who ascribe to the Southern view of what this country should be live all over the country. They live in Pennsylvania. They live in Ohio. They live in Wisconsin. So it's not a geographic north-south I talk about. It is... It's up here. And if you read this new history, apparently, the parallels between the years immediately before the Civil War and our current day are frightening. If you look at the late 1850s and the early 1860s, we're living it again. Here's the authors on, on that period. A sense of inevitability fell, as if there were a fate, a dismal dismantlement that no series of events or accidents could thwart. This sense that they were inexorably moving toward something unbearable and destructive. And remember what Abraham Lincoln said at that time. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Oh. Friend just sent me this. Christina King is backing away. That's the woman whose Facebook thing I read. She's backing away from what she said. Oh dear God. You gotta wonder. Let me see. Uh Christina King. Miranda, who had posted that and then pulled it off of her page. And then she disavowed it on Twitter. She now tells Nina Totenberg she had no idea whether an attack took place. Well, then why did she say that the whole school was talking about it? And she says she does not want the Senate Judiciary Committee to pl please stop trying to contact her. Okay, so she's scared. Here's another woman <coughs> who inserted herself into this, and now she's being asked. So she... Wow. Here's what she told Totenberg. That it happened or not, I have no idea. I can't say that it did or didn't. On Wednesday, she wrote this. It did happen. Many of us heard about it in school.
Totenberg asked her that, and here's what this woman said. In my Facebook post, I was empowered, and I was sure it probably happened. I had no idea that I would now have to go to the specifics and defend it on 50 cable channels and have my face spread all over NBC News and Twitter. Okay, so I'm reading um, a, a somebody responding to this. Empowered? She felt empowered? That's certainly an interesting word choice. And a clever hijacking of empty self-improvement slogans. But it, it literally makes no sense at all in this context. By whom was she empowered? Apparently by herself. Which isn't empowering, but arrogance. And not only arrogance, but also ignorance on a couple of levels, especially on the level in which someone injects themselves into a national controversy as a witness in order to gain attention and then is shocked, shocked with the attention she gets. Wow. I, who the hell, I give up. Okay, we live in an insane environment. Truly insane. Wow. Roger writes, I'm not excusing Kavanaugh's behavior from 30 years ago as a teenage boy, but unless he's uh, continued attacking women, should this really prevent him from vocations for the rest of his life? No. And in fact, he's had vocations for the right. This guy's risen high, high, high. But if there are only nine people that can ascend to the most important court in the land to pass judgment on other people, we don't have somebody of a more impeccable character Why does a guy like this manage to just keep on going if he, in fact, did assault anybody in the course of his life? Did you ever assault anybody? I mean, this really was, as she describes it, an assault, an attempted rape. I'm sure some of us may have had sexual encounters that were ambivalent. But that's not what she described. This was an attack, two-on-one hand over her mouth. She couldn't breathe. She was fighting, fighting to get him off. It was quite clear what was happening in that situation. And I have to tell you, I would, yes, feel differently about somebody who had, had, who had done that, who was able to do that. I really would. Roger goes on, I don't want to see him appointed, but a possible single event by a teenager eliminates him or her from certain jobs for the rest of their lives. Pretty damn punitive. Well, right, Roger. And how does that, um, do you know how many, uh, do you know how many teenage, <coughs> teenagers are serving life sentences in our prison system for one stupid mistake. Let's just look at Antoine Rose here. He was a teenager. He made a stupid judgment. He got in a car with a guy who had a gun, and he ended up dead, okay? 
I did stupid things as a teenager. Antoine Rose is dead. A lot of other young men caught with marijuana, making a sale of marijuana, are serving time. They have a record. They can't get jobs. Their lives were ruined by that one indiscretion. And I'm willing to bet you that elitist white judges like Brett Kavanaugh didn't lose any sleep putting them behind bars for their indiscretions as a child. I don't know. I have no. I don't know. Looks like the Me Too movement's got more work to do. I'll tell you. I don't think men are willing to learn. I, many, I mean a lot of you. I just don't. Boys will be boys. That's a great get out of jail free card to carry. The assumption behind it being that boys are somehow incapable of self-government. You don't hear girls will be girls. Girls have always been expected to be the ones to keep the boys from getting out of hand. And if the boys get out of hand, it's the girls who have failed, not the boy. The expectation for a teenage boy is way down here. The expectation of a teenage girl is way up here. I was listening to an interview the other day of a young woman who grew up in the, you know, abstinence movement, the purity movement, right? Very religious, where I guess you wear a ring and stuff and you say you're not going to do and what insanity she grew up with. And it was flat out, flat out said to the girls, you're responsible. You're responsible if a boy does something bad. If a boy tries to rape you, the question to be asked is, what did you do? I don't think we're much beyond that. I'm sick of it. I, I Guys, I'm so sick of it. Hmm. Uh, speaking of possibly taking back the Senate, uh, I don't know. You know what race isn't looking. I hope these polls are wrong. God knows they've been wrong before. But uh, Ted Cruz is uh, looking much more comfortable in Texas, despite the fact that he's got this marvelous Democratic uh, Beto O'Rourke uh, opposing him. The latest polls show uh, a 54-45 uh, difference. On the other hand, a pickup looks like it could come in Arizona, the seat held by the retiring Jeff Flake, where two women are vying to replace him. And the Democratic woman, a congressman, Kristen uh, Sinema, 
cinema, I guess, cinema, uh, is, is leading in that race at this juncture, 50 to 43. So that would be a pickup. Um, but man, of all the pickups, the pickup I want is Cruz. So many of these races are so tight. Whether or not Claire McCaskill manages to survive in Missouri. Uh, whether or not the Democrats are able to take the seat uh, by the by Senator that Senator Bob Corker now holds, he who also is. They've got a good, they got a former governor running in that seat who was very popular, and they got a Trumpian woman he's running against. So let's hope that that continues. And I don't know, uh, I guess the Republicans have decided that having, packing the court with Kavanaugh is worth maybe a total shellacking uh, at the polls in, in November. Because I have to tell you, uh, this is going to, you think women are pissed off now and have been. Well, this is going to be something. They calculate this stuff, so I think they've made a calculation. And the calculation is much like what Roger has said. You know, come on, it's a teenage boy. That has resonance. Resonance, it does. Because we have been conditioned to accept low, low expectations of teenage boys. Ed writes, abstinence movements, not a lot different than forcing women to wear full body coverings and other, well, it's the same, it's the exact same thing. Because men cannot control themselves, not just boys, but even boys who become men, because men are such weak vessels, and then women get called the weaker sex. Men are so weak that they cannot control themselves. So consequently, the weaker sex, women, have to be put under cover, right? Have to wear black cloths over their head and down to their feet because the very sight of this woman, any part of her, can make a man, I guess, into a rampaging rapist. And so there too, yes, women are responsible and must make all kinds of alterations in their lives so that men don't get into trouble. I was once at a Sabbath dinner at here in Pittsburgh at an Orthodox family's house. Very Orthodox Jews. And I mean, believe me, that is as foreign to me as a Jew as, as it might be, not as, but pretty foreign. This is where men don't touch women who are not their wives. They don't, um, you know, it's all, it's very constrained. Women wear wigs so that only their husbands see their hair. Nobody else can. That's right here. They wear long, they don't show their legs much, if at all. So I was at a Sabbath dinner And all the men and boys were seated on one side of the table and I was on the other with the women and girls. And, and at one point everybody stood up and they started singing a song. It's a song that welcomes the Sabbath. And I know the song. It's a Hebrew song. I know it. 
so I started singing. And I maybe got about six, seven measures out of my mouth when it hit me that none of the other women were singing. And I was embarrassed. I stopped singing. I was also angry. And the man and boys finished up the song. <coughs> and when we all sat back down, at the risk of seeming like a rude guest, <coughs> I said, why, why aren't the women singing? I love that song. And this very earnest young man boy, probably about 17, with a wispy little beard and wearing one of those funny hats, seated across from me, he looked at me and with such earnestness to answer my question. And he said, women don't sing. Because the sound of a woman's voice can distract the men from their prayer. And I always wanted to diffuse a moment with an attempted joke, said, Not the sound of my voice. Nobody laughed, and we continued on. That's the same kind of shit. I can't sing. All those women can't sing because the men might be distracted. Jesus Christ. I'm done. <laughs> oh, I'm an old lady now, and I'm done. I am so up to here. And as I look back at my life, and as I watch what's unfolding now in Washington, I am so done. I am angry beyond words. at what this kind of male privilege has done to my life, to the lives of all women, and that it continues to do so. I'm sick of you white guys on top. I am sick of it. And the reckoning is coming. The reckoning is coming. It's going to be ugly. It ain't going to be pretty. But my God, move over. What did the senator from Hawaii say, that woman? She said, and people were just shocked that she said it. She sort of said, shut up and move over. <laughs> Something like that. You guys. Stop! I don't think women should protect men at all anymore. And I hope parents out there stop expecting more of their daughters from day one than they do of their boys. It starts from day one. I'm sick of it. All right. 
Sorry to end on such a discordant note, but that's where we are. We had a race war. Maybe, maybe we should have a gender war. I'm done. <laughs> Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.